fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. Middle of the week, man. Greatest day of the entire week. We have set the tone. Now we're just riding the wave, baby. All the way through the week. I know this is where you start getting tough because we had a short week last week of Thanksgiving. So don't worry. Hang tight. Strap in. Buckle up. Let's have some fun today. We'll keep you posted and keep you going as the day moves along. Welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Multiple radio stations plus TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, it is so good to have you along with us today. Oh, it's so good to have you. And chat with you each and every day. Coming up bottom of the hour, we have Bruce Gilley. He is a professor. This is going to be an odd one, but I think he's in enemy territory. I think he's a professor at Portland State University. I know. We'll have him on the program bottom of the hour for his latest book, The Case for Colonialism. Obviously, colonialism, the concept of colonialism has been demonized in society today. What is it really and what has it done for society, good or bad? throughout history and what does it do today so we'll have that conversation coming up with him at the bottom of the hour i have to start off the program first off by checking in we do our daily check-in with the man himself joe biden i mean obviously he's struggling we see him having a harder and harder time just standing on his feet to give presentation we gotta ask him joe biden you feeling all right buddy feeling good i want to be clear I'm not going nuts. Making sure, making sure. Uh, obviously, the Democrat Party right now, and I hate to just start it off with, oh, the whole party is a collective here. The whole party's in shambles. But we're seeing policies from the progressives really crumble before our eyes, and this is not good for them. Good for us on the Republican side. Kind of fun to watch. How Republicans, how are we going to screw this opportunity up? But progressives right now, they are hurting with their policies, and they don't know what to do with themselves. They are the angry kid that got busted with the hand in the cookie jar, and every excuse in the book that they've tried to use is not working, and now they're just fuming because they have to accept responsibility, but they don't want to accept responsibility, so it's always somebody else's fault. And that's where kind of we're at with the progressives right now. <laughs> As you know, uh, right now in the What's Trending story of the day... What's trending today? If you saw this headline on New and uh, Fox News, I feel bad for this guy, and this breaks my heart, and this is where we're at. Now, remember, I want to clarify here and preface this by saying that progressives, California, New York, Chicago, bigger cities across the, uh, across the country, they are the ones that have deemed themselves to be sanctuary cities for illegal aliens. Remember, they're the ones that said that they were going to be the sanctuaries that come on in, we'll take care of you. This is going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Don't worry. The American dream is alive and will bring you in no matter what your thoughts are, no matter whether you have good intentions or not, no matter what your case is, we will take care of you. They have deemed themselves to be that. Kansas. I live in Kansas. Kansas City deemed themselves as that for a short time. That didn't pan out too well for them, and they kind of reversed course after uh, shortly afterwards. But California, Chicago, New York, all these areas – have deemed themselves to be the great sanctuary states and sanctuary cities to take care of said illegal aliens. There's a headline on Fox News today that broke my heart. It really broke my heart. I'm sure that he's being taken care of now, but it's really sad that a 94-year-old Army veteran was at a senior center being taken care of, living his life, doing his thing, when he got kicked out 
He lived there for five years until they told him that he had to find some new place to live. Now, that's already a tough deal. Here in the Wichita area, for those that don't know and that listen outside, obviously, because we have a lot of places, a lot of affiliates elsewhere, there was a senior uh, senior's home here in the Wichita area that closed down. And there was a lot of confrontation about it because they say they didn't give the residents enough time to find new places. That wasn't necessarily true, but the media obviously ran with it and uh, they, they shut it down at the end of last year, I want to say. And they had to find new homes. And just that idea, when you think that this is going to be the last place that you stay and hang out and enjoy life the best you can until you pass away, that ended up not being the case. And now you have to find a place new. Do I stay with family? Do I stay with a new senior citizen's home? Where do I go? It's already a scary thought. This 94-year-old, according to Fox News, Frank Tamaro, was an Army veteran living at a senior center for the last five years, told that he had to go. Didn't know what to do. Ended up moving in with his daughter, who's now taking care of him. Now, that senior citizen's home who booted out him along with so many others are now moving in illegal aliens that have been bused to the area during the quote-unquote crises and have moved them in there free of charge for them to stay. Now, obviously, we can put together the obvious here is that we booted out a 94, 95-year-old Army veteran who has served this nation with pride and who, who should live dignified for the rest of his life until he passes away and be able to have the best treatment available to him because of what he has done for this nation was being charged for that care and that service at the senior center and is now being booted out of it so they can move illegally in and be covered for free on the taxpayer dime for the city of New York. That's how bad the situation is in New York and that's how bad the Biden policies are in this nation right now with this open border policy where, yes, we will continue to send illegal aliens to these cities that claim to say that they are the sanctuary cities to take in anybody that they want because we should have open border policies and you're racist if you want to shut down the border in any way, shape, or form. That's, that's what we're dealing with. That's what we're dealing with. So that's just one example right now. Now I want to take you to the great state of Illinois in the city of Chicago, because that's another wonderful place where the latest comments from Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson have made the comment that the reason there is chaos and anarchy with so many illegal aliens coming into New York and Chicago and what they have to do to address this issue is not because of open border policies from the Biden administration, but because of, you guessed it, right-wing extremism. Well, it has to be better coordination. You know, what we've seen is a very raggedy form um, instituted by right-wing extremism. Um, everyone knows that the right-wing extremism in this country has targeted democratically ran cities. And quite frankly, uh, they've been very intentional about going after democratically ran cities that are led by people of color. <laughs> All right, hold on. Hold on. Now, this guy, man, he takes the Barack Obama level and he takes it to an entirely new level. He takes the radicalism of progressives and the racism and the race baiting and the anger and the hatred. He takes things and dials the notch up to 11. You know how I like my music cranked up at 11 with some very heavy, angry metal music. This guy takes the progressive ideology to that entirely new level. You'd think after a while, man. You'd think that Chicago, all those that live in the inner cities like that, that have terrible living conditions, crime rates through the roof, all these gun regulations where you can't purchase a firearm, but you have gangs out there shooting out uh, every single night, killing people left and right. You would think that after a while you'd be like, maybe I should change my policies. But it doesn't happen. So we continue to elect ridiculous Yahoo after ridiculous Yahoo in these positions, and they continue to say 
these ridiculous things because, according to him, not only is right-wing extremism the cause for the chaos for the immigrants coming into their city, but it's right-wing extremism sending them to large cities with leaders that are of color. <laughs> That's the note to message here, that it's racism of right-wing extremism, not just sending them to progressive cities, but progressive cities run by people of color because we really want those people of color to fail in policy or in politics in general because I don't know why, but by golly, we want that to happen. And their whole motivation is to create disruption and chaos because that's what this that particular party has been about. Right? This is the same political party that did not want to accept that President Obama was actually an American. It's the same Republican right-wing extremism that stormed the Capitol. It's the same right-wing extremism that refuses to accept the results of the Civil War. It's raggedy. What? what? It's disrespectful. It's mean-spirited. It's an unclean spirit, quite frankly. Dude, what is this guy talking about? What is this guy about? Say what? I've never seen that, that we haven't accepted the Civil War, that we want people of color to fail in politics. The same ones that questioned the legitimacy of Barack Obama. Now, look, that was a very small fraction of people, and the vast majority of Americans don't believe that Barack Obama was not a U.S. citizen. And he wasn't born on American soil. He still had a U.S. citizen that was a mother, and that's enough no matter where you're born. John McCain was born somewhere else. Ted Cruz was born somewhere else. That's a stupid argument, and that was only a very small minority of the population that actually believed that conspiracy theory. Uh, that's way better. But, man, the cherry-picking of this guy, that we didn't accept the Civil War, that we don't accept the blacks in, in society or in politics or something, what does that have to do with a city that's openly said that they want to be an open border and a sanctuary city for illegal aliens. And if you want to be a sanctuary city, then fine, take them. Here you go. Have fun. Do your thing. Man, I'm telling you, the kids that got busted with the hand in the cookie jar, that are angry they got busted, their policies are failing, their ideas are completely junk, and they're finding, they're desperate to find an excuse to try and blame somebody else because, remember, narcissism, it's never their fault. It's always somebody else's fault. It's never their fault for something that they've done wrong. They don't look in the mirror. They have to pass off the blame to somebody else because they are the innocent victim in the situation. It gets better, though. He continues. Look, Pastor Will Haw, who's also an alderman of the Sixth Ward, visited the border. He saw the chaos firsthand. And so part of our effort to go to the border was to make sure that there was better coordination with, with the flow of migrants who are seeking asylum here. Oh, and this is not unprecedented. There, okay, so it's not the actual amount of people. It's the flow. It's the coordination. If we would just know that they're coming better, then we could totally take better care of all these massive amounts of people coming across our border. It's not about the numbers. It's not about the fact that they're coming in illegally. It's about the flow and the coordination. And if they knew it and they could strategize, then they could totally take care of it better. Like, I don't know, kicking out veterans out of their senior homes and putting in illegal aliens free of charge on the taxpayer dime while the veteran has to go find some place to bunk up in the streets or with a family member because they don't need the dignity to live in a senior home uh, happily ever after and actually enjoy the time that they have left at 94, 95 years old. That's not important. We, we want to take care of them. We want to bring in these migrants. We just... By golly, need better coordination with it. When the Ukrainian refugees found their way to the shores of America, there were 30,000 of them right here in the city of Chicago, and you don't hear a word about it because it was coordinated. There was federal dollars that were attached to those families. And so 
to your question, yes, it has to be better coordinated. As far as limitations, we have to have parameters that respect the dignity of families who want to call Chicago their home. It is, it is, it is abysmal and it's an affront for everything that is good about this country. For the extremism in this country to use people as political tools to settle political scores for something that happened 400 years ago. They're still mad that a black man is free in this country. This is nothing new, but aren't you glad that the soul of Chicago won't be broken? And those are the words of, uh, I think, Beyonce. You won't break our soul. Wow. Wow. Man. That was, okay, so that audio from Fox News here, that was, that was a whole nother level. I know that was a whole nother level of crazy right there. Uh, I would like to remind you that the city of Chicago has a 0% effective rate for their public education system. The city of Chicago that takes in 60 to 80% of all the public education funds has 0% graduation rate uh, that's prepared for college. Zero that are actually up to academic standards as they've literally bankrupt the city uh, the state of Illinois. If you remember a few years back, the first state to ever file bankruptcy because all of their funds went to education and pension plans, and the education still is at a 0% proficiency level for graduating students. They also have crime that is absolutely through the roof. They have homelessness that is absolutely absurd. Maybe not like uh, 10 cities like they do in California, but their homeless rate is ridiculous. Their crime rate is ridiculous. Their gangs are ridiculous. And they're worried about right-wing extremism playing politics and being racist because that's how evil this party is that never accepted the Civil War from hundreds of years ago. These guys are absolutely nuts, man. How do you come up with this garbage? It's the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, it is. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. So apparently that Republican Party is still just a bunch of evil racists who just never accepted the Civil War from 400 years ago. That's <laughs> what he said. That's not my words. That's his words. 400 years ago, just uh, not admitting the fact that a black man, quote unquote, can actually have a seat at the table in politics that is the mindset that is the excuse on why chicago new york city california are all in absolute turmoil across the nation with migrants not because there's so many migrants coming in we can't handle them so we're going to send them to the places that supposedly are accepting of them and want to take care of them where new york and eric adams if you remember he's trying to shut that down he's like yeah can we steal the border now please we can't take any more here in new york literally passing out flyers at the border don't come to new york city that's the message from them. Well, why is that? Well, we can't handle anymore because if we crumble economically, then that means the nation crumbles because we're the big apple and we're the heart of the nation. Okay. So what are you going to do? Well, we need to shut down the border. Well, all of a sudden, coincidentally, now he's under investigation by the federal government and the Biden administration for colluding with the nation of Turkey for his reelection in the, <laughs> in the last election cycle with his cell phones and laptops being confiscated. Coincidence? I don't know. During an election season, a Democrat, a major Democrat player in the Democrat Party that's going against your policies. Now, Chicago, you have to defend it. The only way to defend the recklessness going on in the city is to say, well, it's actually Republicans' fault. Wait, what? Republicans haven't been elected in Chicago in like, well, ever. 
Republicans don't even run the state legislature in Illinois. How can you say that? Well, it's the right-wing extremists that are busting them up here because there's no coordination, there's no communication, and there's no flow, and they just want me to look bad because I'm black, so I'm a victim here in this situation. Like, man, I, how do you wake up in the morning? I just I have to ask the question. How do you wake up in the morning and say, I have to find a way to be victimized today, and it's probably the other side? The mindset of just being caught with the cookie jar and having an absolute wreck, you broke the vase. What are you going to do about broken the vase? Well, actually, it's not. It was my brother that broke the vase that told me to do it because if there was more uh, opportunity for me to be aware of what was going on, it wouldn't be broken. We could have just thrown the ball around and not have the vase broken in the house. It's actually his fault because he created that scenario. We could have played ball just fine in the house without the vase, vac uh, vase breaking whatsoever. So it's actually his fault. And he did it because he wanted to get me in trouble, so it's actually his fault instead of mine, and I'm the victim in this situation. That's the level of crazy that we're living in in this nation. I'm telling you, the Biden policies are crumbling one by one, and at first it was the obviously the foreign affairs and the geopolitics with what's going on around the world. The Bidenomics have never worked. They tried to hype that up. That's crumbling, and now they have to focus on immigration and make some type of stance, and you can't back away from the policy or else you'll get in trouble by the Biden administration. So instead, what you have to do is you have to shift it around and say, well, I'm trying to fix it, but I can't because of evil Republicans. Man, what a world. And it, here's the sad part is it will work in the, state, in the city of Chicago. It will work. That speech by Mayor Brandon Johnson in Chicago was done at a church. And that's what he went on to talk about how we have to lean into prayer. We have to lean in to church to be able to get involved and active and call out these evil racist Republicans not wanting the black community to succeed at all. It's all their fault. Advocating for the church to pray upon against the white people as the chickens are coming home to roost, as Jeremiah Wright used to say, if you remember that one. They're blaming it, and he did it, and he made the statements, and the praise, and the crowd, and the applause, and the laughter was epic. At that church. So pandering to a crowd that eats this stuff up. I don't know about you, but I think there's a bit of a deeper issue, a core value issue that we need to address in this situation. And that would be the fact that we have hatred and bigotry and racism that's spreading right now that's from their side causing this division instead of a common sense control where maybe you should take the approach of like, I don't know, Eric Adams. It's like, yeah, maybe we should stop the flow of migrants at the southern border. Let's get our house in order. Then we can pretend to be a sanctuary city again after we get the border sealed and we don't have to worry about the problem anymore. That would be a more politically savvy way to do it, but then you're turning your back on the Biden administration. So, I don't know. That would be kind of bad as well. Lots more coming up. We have Bruce Gilley right around the corner here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Right it is. Welcome back into it. 35 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting all over the place, my friend. Your patriot on the prairie, your political therapist is here for you like we are every single day. It's always wonderful to have you along for the ride today. Really excited. Let's shift gears here. I don't want to waste any time. Excited for our next guest on the program. What's trending today? As I don't know that we've really talked about this conversation, as uh, obviously there's a lot of 
cultural changes and understanding of history, understanding of what goes on in the world. We see a lot of different interesting perspectives being presented in our public education systems, both K through 12 and higher education, uh, really to teach that we are probably like the most evil place on the face of the earth. And it's an interesting conversation to try and debunk some of these, but there are narratives that are spread right now that are just quote unquote basic assumptions. And my question is, as usual, are they really true? As we like to dive deeper and unveil those layers of the onion. Really happy to have on the program, he is the author of the new book, The Case for Colonialism, as he is a professor as well as a political science professor at Portland State University. Almost seems like almost an enemy territory there, I think. It's Professor Bruce Gilley. Bruce, how are you, my friend? I am very well. Nice to be here. Yeah, yeah. Excited to have you on here. Do you feel like you're in enemy territory up there in Portland? I mean, that's a beautiful area. I want to go there. But uh, all I hear is that it's a very progressive area. Yeah, Oregon is more purple than you realize. I mean, like most states, it has a, an ultra-liberal big city with an ultra-liberal inner core. But then the rest of the state's pretty mixed. So, uh, you all know, right. don't be too confused by the tv i mean it's a pretty purple state actually good well that's good news I, i'm excited i do want to make it up there because i love that area and i have to come visit at some point so uh this is a fascinating topic regarding colonialism because all we hear about today is how evil that is we have destroyed cultures we have destroyed nations we have destroyed people we have destroyed the climate we have destroyed everything around us because of white people expanding their power abusing their power and taking over other civilizations before we get into the nitty-gritty of that, let's talk about just the before people actually understand this, we like to clarify, talk about what the actual definition of colonialism really is. Well, colonialism is simply when uh, the people in country A who have a functioning political system decide to extend that political system to a territory B that does not have a functioning political system. That's the basic definition, and that's actually how human societies have uh, expanded throughout time. It's been very recently where we've seen uh, colonial expansion or the right of conquest as somehow wrong, uh, and that that itself, the idea that that's wrong, was actually a European invention. So, you know, colonialism is how societies have always grown and spread. Better systems replace worse systems, and Western systems, when they were the ones in charge of colonialism, invariably were welcomed and brought great benefits to those they colonized. Was it specifically only a, a European idea of colonialism to expand their outreach and expand their influence to other cultures? Was it only white people doing that? No, absolutely not. It's it's the historical norm. I mean, all, all of contemporary China is a result of colonial conquest. All of contemporary Russia is a result of colonial conquest. All of contemporary India is a result of colonial conquest. Most of the tribes in Africa who claim having been places for since time immemorial were in fact colonial conquest all of southern africa was was uh you know conquered by the various uh, southern moving tribes from west africa that displaced and eliminated the indigenous africans in southern africa um you know conquest and empire and colonialism have been the human norms throughout history the westerners were just the, the last ones to do it and the only difference with the westerners is when they did it they had an immense economic and technological advantage over the other societies that they were conquering. Yeah, absolutely. This isn't just governmental, like you said, though. It's also, uh, I, I mean, it brings up religious conversation about the spread of Christianity, the spread of different religions throughout history of going to uh, different cultures that have never heard of these and then converting everybody to a certain religion. I mean, this has been happening for a long time. 
Yeah, and, you know, uh, Christianity was going to spread with or without formal colonial rule, just like market economics was going to spread with or without without colonial rule, and uh, access to Western technology and Western diseases was going to spread with or without colonial rule. So we really need to sort out, like, what would have happened no matter what versus the additional benefits, in my view, of having that experience uh, governed by a system that would try to maximize the benefits to the colonized. Otherwise, it's just a free-for-all. And that is almost always worse for the peoples experiencing this sudden encounter with this vastly more powerful and rich civilization. Sure. When did we start seeing the narrative turn on this being a bad idea that America obviously, I mean, we did, I mean, we have to admit it, we have to acknowledge it. I mean, we did some bad things to Native Americans, to original cultures. I mean, that's just the way things were, not right, not justified, it's just the way that history was at that time where that was accepted because those people were demons or evil or whatever. But when did the narrative really turn to teach about it? right now in a negative light on how influencing other cultures with something better that could be more structured or more efficient for this new culture was a terrible thing and how we shouldn't be doing it. It's very recent. It's it's post-World War II. Um, And you have to remember that, you know, even at the time of the American Revolution, you know, the American Revolution, like other independence movements in Southern in South America against Spanish and Portuguese rule, right? They were they, they were movements for independence, but they were not movements against the European inheritance of these countries. And that's the really important distinction to make. So they were they were efforts to achieve self-government, which, you know, colonial powers, including the British and the Spanish and the Germans and the Dutch and the French, always intended for their areas to gain a high degree of self-government, what what the exact arrangements would be was was never specified. But you know, none of these movements early on, including the American Revolution, said we're going to abolish property rights, we're going to abolish constitutional government, we're going to abolish the market economy, we're going to abolish the rule of law. I mean, that was all the colonial inheritance that these early independence movements thought that they were just trying to take control of, not repudiate. And so it's not till the 1950s where you get this idea coming into vogue that, you know, not only country wants to be independent and self-governing, well, that's okay, that was always part of the plan, but in the process of doing that, they also want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. They want to create a centrally planned economy, a one-party state. They're going to suspend human rights. They're going to seize property because all of that is considered Western colonialism. And if they want to be truly independent, if they want to decolonize, which is the new word that gets introduced, they need to essentially send themselves into this great leap backwards back into the dark ages where they were before the colonial experience. Yeah, and they use the argument of, of course, racism because, well, a black culture, for example, uh, someone who originally was from Africa, didn't assimilate to that type of culture, so therefore it's a different governance system, a different culture, and therefore anybody that may have lived differently is now a victim of the society because they're being oppressed by what they call, quote-unquote, Western white supremacy, which is a, a quite fascinating take on how you can play the victimhood in that scenario. Well, especially because, you know, as late as the mid to late 50s, most African nationalists, most of the Africans who had been trained and prepared by the colonial authorities to take government, I mean, this training and preparation and education had been going on for 50 years, I mean, none, they, were all, they were all Anglophiles and Francophiles. I mean, even Ho Chi Minh was a great Francophile. Uh, the Algerian leader, Abbas, was a, was a great Francophile. I mean, they all wanted 
continued close relationships with the colonial powers. They never thought of themselves as victims of colonialism. They never thought of the colonial inheritance as something that was white. They thought of it as something that was a great blessing. They just wanted, you know, accelerated moves to self-government, which was fine. So it's it's not until the you know late 50s and 60s, of course, the 60s is where, you know, Western civilization as a whole goes deeply wrong, where suddenly the narrative of decolonization becomes anti-Western and anti-Enlightenment and anti-freedom. And that's really where we are today when you hear decolonize. They're not talking about something to do with creating more freedom. They're talking about creating less freedom. And that's the big shift. Yeah. What What is the alternative? What is the idea for the replacement if we get rid of, quote-unquote, colonialism and uh, the colonized function that we have the, under Western European ide- ideologies here? What is the replacement? Because I'm pretty sure that a centralized dictatorship is also, quote-unquote, white ideology as well, isn't it? According to them. Well, yeah, Marxism was was a great white, an old white German male, I I believe, created Marxism. Um, And that was often the replacement. So that's right. They're often swapping one Western theory for another. But often they, you know, in the case of Africa and and Asia and the Middle East, they said, oh, no, we're going to have this new indigenous form of rule. And it's going to be communitarian. It's going to be sharing. And there's going to be plenty for everyone. Of course, it just ends up being a corrupt elite, raking profits from the people, oppressing the people, denying them accountable government, arresting political opposition leaders. I mean, it just becomes a farce. But that's the kind of system that, you, that you, you're asking for when you say we need to decolonize, it also puts a very high premium on group identity. These people want to divide a citizenry based on its race or its ethnicity or its language, and then the political system basically becomes a spoils system. Each group gets a certain number of you know, cabinet positions, a certain amount of federal funding, a certain status in the, in the rights game and the opportunities game. So it becomes essentially a centrally command economy based on group identity, that, that's the alternative. And that alternative is never very good for anyone. Well, no one. We're seeing that happen right before our eyes right now with affirmative action in higher education right now. We're seeing that within our government entities. We see the ESG movement trying to push us towards a quote-unquote social credit score where you have to check off the boxes on how victimized are you in society for you to get more government goodies across the country. And it's a fascinating thing to watch. So we're watching this decolonizing, quote-unquote, happen right before our eyes, we're talking with Professor Bruce Gilley. He is with the Political Science Department for the Portland State University, also author of the book, The Case for Colonialism. Bruce, we got to take a break here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Sure. Awesome. I love the conversation. I want to continue this. I want to, When we come back, I want to talk about the quote-unquote colonialism happening in today's times. And I've heard the theory that if you want to change a dictatorship or some type of tyrannical government, some type of fascist nation, is that you introduce capitalism in there instead of overthrowing the actual governmental system. Is that true? And is that a way that we can salvage this and actually bring capitalism and free markets to the rest of the world in our constant battle against the tyranny of big government? We'll do some of that when we come back here right around the corner. It is the middle of the week. It is a voice of reason right here. Don't go anywhere. This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason 
with Andy Hoosier. Yes, it is. Welcome back into it. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. We got so much to talk about, man. We could cram all this into, I don't know, a three hour program. We'll be doing that here soon at some point. Don't you worry. Right now we're hanging out with Professor Bruce Gilley. He is with the Portland State University, also author of the book, The Case for Colonialism. Fascinating conversation, something that uh, we really don't talk about a whole lot. We just kind of have accepted the narrative, I guess, in society that colonialism's evil and bad. We don't do that anymore. We're not going to do that. Uh, it, so it's good to actually talk about this and understand what's really going on here. Uh, Bruce, I tease going into the break that there's an idea that if we want to get rid of some type of communist, fascist, dicta- dictatorial nation that you introduce, you don't overthrow the government entity and try to force them into abiding by new rules, but you introduce capitalism, private markets, free enterprise, and let things kind of handle on their own. Is that true? Is that what we see in, in today's society? Um, well, definitely, you know, a lot of these countries that uh, decolonized and then decided the capitalism was, was part of the colonial project they needed to get rid of, uh, you know, went into a tailspin economically, and that made it easier for political despots and tyrants to arise. I mean, basically all of Africa was ruled by political dictators from the 60s, 70s, 80s, through the 90s as well. Same with Asia, same with the Middle East. Um, so definitely the planned economy was a was a, was a a fuel for dictatorship. On the other hand, you know, the hopes post-Cold War that all we needed was market economics and then all these dictatorships would fall proved to be not true. And the reason, of course, is, you know, the dictators will allow markets to the extent that it keeps them in power by making people prosperous and happy and and get them more used to having dictatorial power. They can offer some elections, kind of pseudo-fair elections. Uh, the markets uh, and the capital around the globe and the lenders will go there as long as it's a good business climate. They don't really care about whether it's democratic or not. So I think the hopes for capitalism, creating freedom, uh, have been overblown. And I think we're having to rethink, you know, the what's the formula for getting this right. Yeah, being able to help the rest of the nation. So I've heard as well, that I mean, and it's, I think it's true that right now, you know, our first world countries, the ones that actually use colonialism, that have used our society, used our form of government, that we we are we're very prosperous. But not only that, we advance technically very quickly, and that while we may use more resources, like the United States, energy wise, food wise, whatever, we're also more efficient than say like third world nations that have only gotten a taste of this but haven't quite accepted it yet, and that they're very uh, carbon not net neutral, if we want to put it that way, and that they waste resources and they could do a whole lot better to improve the lives of their citizens, isn't it? I mean, we could, we could do a whole lot better in some of these regions. Yeah, and I mean, of course, you know, the, the rich capitalist countries of the West uh, have been the engines of global economic development and betterment for, you know, the last 300 years. So, I mean, none of these people in these third world countries would even be alive were it not for the capitalist West, uh, because the food production and the technological improvements and the and the basic medicine and public health and technology and access to credit markets and access to Western markets for exports, I mean, all of that is because of Western capitalism. So uh, you, you can't bite the hand that feeds you if you're saying uh, Western capitalism has been a pain on the world. And of course, a lot of these people are themselves have migrated to the West because life is better in the West. So they're also hypocrites in addition to being historically ignorant. Yeah, but Bruce, we need to decolonize and we need to become like the socialist nations of Scandinavia, right? 
Yeah, well, I always tell my students, the socialist nations of Scandinavia are not very socialist anymore. If you've checked the news, I mean, Sweden went through a huge government downsizing when its welfare state got out of control in the 1990s. And all of the Scandinavian countries actually they have much lower debt than we do in the United States. They have much more means testing of their welfare state. They have uh, a much more uh, controlled, uh, you know, health and uh, social security and, and income support and housing policies than we do. So, you know, we, we actually look a lot more socialist than Scandinavian countries do now. Yeah, what a wild concept. But yet, man, we just got to listen to those Bernie Sanders sites. I love it. We got about 30 seconds left here, Bruce. But when you teach this stuff to the students and they come in maybe as one of those ideologues wanting to shake up the world, I mean, are their eyes open when they see some of this stuff? I think actually the younger generation is kind of fed up with the old radical lefties from the 60s who came and took over the universities. They're actually much more open-minded. When I say to my students, you know, I'm, I'm writing this book called The Case for Colonialism, they're, they're interested. They say, hey, this is a great conversation starter, you know, because we're not hearing these conversations the way we should. We want to learn more. So I'm actually optimistic. I think this younger generation is done with woke, and I think they're going to be a more interesting generation to come. That makes me so happy. That makes me so happy that we actually have some hope for the future. Again, the younger generation making fun of my generation, the millennials, with how crazy we've been. It's Professor Bruce Gilley, The Case for Colonialism. Go and check it out, Bruce. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. we got to do it again real soon. Great. I really enjoyed it. Take care. Hey, appreciate it very much. There it is. Good stuff. We'll break some of that down later on. Until then, we're back at it again tomorrow. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.